It's time for Love Talk with the loveliest, Kathy, Carrie, and Evelyn. Love talking today about how God's love cancels out fear. Thanks, Gavin. We are in studio today, and we are excited because some special things are turning around in my world. Uh, yeah, friends, it has been an exciting week, and we are looking forward to uh, Easter coming up in just two more weeks. And oh, thank you man. for tuning in on this beautiful Saturday at 8 a.m. in Austin, Texas, friends, it's great to be with you. This is Kathy Enderbrock. You are listening to Love Talk on the Bridge, Austin, Central Texas Christian Talk on 101.1 FM and 1120 AM. And loving to be, loving being in studio with the First Lady of Love, Mrs. Evelyn Davison, and Coach Carrie Brinkgater. You look amazing, darling. <laughs> <laughs> Great to be here, Kathy. Great to be in studio with you, as always. What an absolute blessing. You know, friends, I know I, I've said this many, many times, but when you're in the room with Evelyn Davison, she literally oozes Jesus from every pore of her body, and you cannot help but just feel joy. When you're around Evelyn Davison, it is the most precious gift, one of the most precious gifts God has given me to be in her presence um, on a weekly basis. And so I'm so thankful to be here today celebrating Easter in just a couple of weeks. We have a great program today. God's perfect love cast out fear. God's mm-hmm. perfect love cast out fear. Our key verses for today, Psalm 9419. When anxiety and fear were great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Hmm. What are we afraid of right now, folks? I know there's a lot of things out there in the news, a lot of things that are swirling around us within our communities. What are we afraid of? And Psalm 118.6, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Boy, that puts it all in perspective, right, Kathy? What can mere mortals do to me? That is so true. And I love this statement. I will not be afraid. And I think that when we are standing in Jesus Christ, we can say that with full assurance that there is no need to be afraid, that fear cannot grip our hearts. It cannot grip our minds because God himself tells us, no, 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 no. What is going to cover your heart and your mind is the peace of Jesus Christ. And he gives us that promise in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, that when we bring everything to him, when we refuse to be anxious, he says, do not be anxious. um, But with thanksgiving, bring your prayers and petitions to me. And the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. That is a promise. We do not need to be gripped by fear. But now, Carrie, you threw me for a loop when you provided, when you put together and produced this program. Because when I think, oh, what am I afraid of? I think of, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I don't know, these outside forces that impact my life that Mm -hmm. I can't do anything about. But Mm -hmm. you are talking about something that I think we we forget and for us to press it and realize sometimes we're afraid of success mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. friends what would your life look like abiding in god's will and being successful in that life mm-hmm. of not having fear being willing to take risks for the kingdom of god what would your life look like and there's all of these uh stories that we have in scripture that I cannot wait to talk about today of all of these people, men and women, who God's plans for them was for huge success, mm-hmm. but they struggled with fear. And we're going to look at how God got them over that to keep their eyes on him and to step into the success that that, that he had for them. So, I mean, just a fantastic topic, Carrie. I just love what you've done, what you've prepared for us. Well, I, I hope it comes across how, how we, um, how the way that it was impressed upon my heart. So, uh, you know, as we look forward in two weeks to Easter, Miss Evelyn, you are love talking and love walking at 90 years old. <laughs> I think everybody knows that in the city of Austin. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot tell you how many. Um, this is we get many of that, and it's been exciting, and I am worn out. <laughs> yeah. 
So this is your 90th Easter. Now, I imagine when you were little that your mama probably dressed up her cute little bundle of joy in the most adorable little Easter dresses ever and that you just had that big smile on your face. And I'm thinking you're probably going to wear just as stunning of a dress this Easter, 90 years later, that your mama dressed you up in when you were Pretty little. Pretty close. <laughs> Maybe no ribbons in your hair this year, but a really cool, cute little hat, a I hat, would guess. for sure. Yeah. Well, I wear a hat because I don't have any hair. <laughs> It's your signature. It's your kind of your trademark now, Miss Evelyn. Well, you know, uh, you have to adjust things, uh, different points of life. And uh, when you've got plenty uh, and you know how to take care of it and take care of others, uh, you know, it works. It's mm-hmm. not something to be depressed about. But I thought I never thought I'd live to be 90 years old. I've had cancer. I've had uh, Blood poisoning, you know, you name it, and I've had it. Mm-hmm. But the Lord always is faithful to his promises. Mm-hmm. Come unto me. He's not finished with you, Miss Evelyn. That's what man tells me. <laughs> Get off of it. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. You know, as you are embarking on your 10th decade of life, I uh, am kind of loving the season of life I'm in right now. Kathy, I, I know you feel the same way. When you have teenagers that are becoming more independent and they're um, expressing their own opinions and their, their beliefs and really trying to figure it out, right? It's, it, it comes with struggles, obviously, um, but it's fun. It's fun to appreciate how different my kids are from one another that, you know, um, and I just pray for the Lord to fill in all the hideous gaps that um, my husband and I have left for them, that the Lord would just come in and fill all those up with his mercy and his gracious kindness. Um, and so I'm, I'm really enjoying this season mm-hmm. of life, Miss Evelyn, as you're enjoying your season of life and and um, committing everything to God's kingdom, I'm enjoying this season of life as well, just um, trying to, to love on my kids and my husband as best I can, uh, because man, Kathy, it goes by fast. It, you know, you have another senior this year. I know. I don't know where that came from. I feel like it was just last month that we were graduating our oldest, and now our next in line mm-hmm. uh, steps forward in May as well. We were hoping that we were going to have two Baylor girls, <laughs> and that is not happening. Our our middle child, she's just much more of a homebody, mm-hmm. so uh, she is going to be staying and going to BSU, ba- Boise State University, which is a great university. Sure. I mean, people come from all over the nation to go there, so I, she will do well there, and she will enjoy it there. But I have a question because I think we might be doing something illegal in Texas. Um, (laughs) My daughter who goes to Baylor has just started seeing a young man who goes to A&M. Is that illegal? (laughs) I don't know. Uh They're burning up the roads between (laughs) College Station and Waco, huh? They are. (laughs) Now, he's in the core, so he has to get like a week's notice before he leaves campus or something Mm. like that. And they had planned on their very first date was going to be on Valentine's Day. And now they've known each other forever because he was a Grace student. I'm not allowed to say his name yet. Mom's like, Mom. Aaliyah says, Mom, just give it a month before you say his name on radio. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, but I mean, gosh, you know, by the time this airs, it'll probably almost be a month, right? But I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, so I I told Aaliyah, I'm like, I'm not sure if we're doing something illegal, but, you know, if someone shows up at our door, you know, we'll try and put things into perspective. I love it. I love it. I love how your girls um, want you to be uh, of such a part of their decisions and their lives, and they just crave that affirmation from you. I love that. I'm seeing that in my kids now. My son uh, went on a trip with his girlfriend's family a couple of weeks ago for the first time, and they were out of town together, you know, for two days. Like, wow, this is a big deal, right? But he texts me and sends me pictures, and, I, you know, I just, I love that they're enjoying uh, growing up and, and enjoying um, putting 
God first in their lives so that they can see the fruit of that in their relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's so fun. Again, it doesn't always happen um, as we would hope um, or, or our visions for them, but God has a perfect plan for them. And friends, today I want to ask you, what is God's perfect plan for you? And are you willing to step into that perfect plan that he has for you? Or is something holding you back? You know, God's love for us takes on different forms. And we need to be able to recognize how God loves us. I mean, I look back at so many markers in my life and I go, wow, God was loving me right there. And, oh, man, God really stepped in right there. I think sometimes when we're entrenched in something that's super hard or a really um, difficult decision or you know, things are not going well with our kids or our husband or our job. We we don't see how God is working in us. But when we come through that, we can look back and go, oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your provision and thank you for your grace. And so I, I, I challenge all of us to be so present that we understand when God is working in our lives right now. And because we just make it way too small. We just make God so small. Mm-hmm. I do. You know, I think, oh, okay, well, he can't do that or, or he's not in- interested in me. How would someone like God love someone like me? You know, I have all these flaws and I have all these shortcomings. But God is not going to love us with health, wealth, and prosperity. God is not going to love us with cultural and political dominance. God is not going to love us with perfect designer lives. You know what? God is going to love us in his perfect plan. And for us to be able to embrace that wholeheartedly and to recognize that and that we run into that with reckless abandon, that's when God says, come on, baby, I'm about to take you on a fantastic ride because his perfect love casts out all fear. The fear and the doubts that we carry inside of us you know, I I love how we're going to approach this topic today about how so many times we talk about fear and this this I guess a fear of crippling failure, right? Mm-hmm. But Kathy, I know there have been so many times in my life when I am afraid of success. Success. If I get there, can I sustain it? If I get there, what will people say? If I get there, can I explain it? Oh, no, I'm there, and what do I do now? Do I have the strength? Do I have the stamina to to keep going in this? Okay, I got here, Lord. Thank you, but help. <laughs> you know, what's the next step? So as we talk about this fear of success today, I think you're going to see in our um, scriptures how God makes a way and makes a path for us. Now, Kathy, I know we don't have very much time left in this segment, but I've always seen you as just a person who's just fearless. Like you Mm -hmm. just jump in, you just go for things. You know, have you ever been just gripped by fear and you didn't want to take the next step? Literally like uh, with my knees to my chest, sitting on the floor in a, uh, in a corner of a conference, a big conference facility, my freshman year in college, I uh, went to a conference. It was um, the Food Service Executives of America, right? Excellent. I mean, uh-huh. I was in hospitality. We had to do two or 400 hours of food and beverage. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to jump in. I'm going to join an organization. They're having a conference. Okay, I'll go to the conference. We flew to this conference in Nashville. And um, at that conference, they I didn't realize that they elected a international student president every year. So after the first day of that conference... Um, you, you do the first day, you meet everybody. The next day, all the nominations come in. And then the third day, you have to choose to accept the nomination or not and then give a big speech about what you would do as the international student president. So the second day I was there, everyone's going to nominate. And I'm like, who am I going to nominate? I'm thinking, who am I going to nominate? And this group nominated me. I hear my name at the mm. time, Kathy Teasdale. And I'm like, what? What? And so I thought, I can't be international student president. I don't need, I'm just a freshman. I have no idea about leadership. Like, I've never been in a leadership role. I didn't do that kind of thing in high school. I was a little bit of a rebel. And um, they obviously don't know what they're doing. And so <laughs> I 
called my mom on the phone after I got out as fast as I could. I called my mom on the phone, and I'm like, I got to get out of this. I don't know how to get out of this. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there, Kathy, because the next part of this story is going to rock your world. She was afraid. Kathy, Indebrock, Kathy Teasdale at the time was afraid of success. And what did she do with that after she called her mom, uh, who always has wonderful words of wisdom? When we return to Love Talk, we'll hear the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, right here with the Love Ladies on Love Talk right after this. Hello, friends, and welcome back to today's Christian Talk. You have found the Love Ladies, where we are building bridges of love and leadership here at KTXW, 11.20 a.m., and 101.1 FM right here in Central Texas. Thank you so much for joining the Love Ladies. I'm Coach Carrie Brinkgater. I am in studio with the First Lady of Love, Mrs. Evelyn Davison, and our beautiful, wonder-filled friend, Kathy Indebrock. And today we're talking about fear, the fear of success, and how this fear holds us back from being all God wants us to be. Now, Kathy, you are a freshman in college. You're 19, 18 years old mm-hmm. at the time. You're sitting at a conference uh, trying to figure out your your life path, you know, um, as all freshmen try to do, right? And you just find out that you are nominated for the top position in this international food service organization mm-hmm. that you've, you've made such an impact in less than 24 hours that now people are nominating you for this top position and you call your mom because i'm thinking they don't know what they've done (laughs) they clearly have no idea that i've never filled a leadership position before that i'm certainly not a leader i have no clue how to do that academically i was very bright i had you know god had blessed me with giving me my mom's brains and so i was good academically so i knew i was a good student But um, a leader, no, no, no way was I a leader and certainly not ready to step into this big role as a freshman um, into this international student leadership position. So I called my mom and I'm like, I I need to like, how do I turn down this nomination graciously? I really like these people. You know, I'll probably be in this organization for another year at least. And um, what do I do? And she said, well, they obviously see something you need to trust what they're seeing. Mm. And she goes, Kathy, God has given you favor. He's He's mm-hmm. just given you favor. And so are you willing to say yes to that? And I thought, oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, I said, she goes, the worst you can do is accept the nomination. You make a terrible speech and yeah. you don't get elected. <laughs> right? And I'm like, well, that's because I didn't really ever given a speech before when I was in high school. You know, we had to take debate for one semester, and I took debate, and they asked me, hey, we would like you to join the debate team. And I'm like, what? That's like extra homework? No, thank you. No, I was, you know, I didn't do any of that extracurricular stuff in high school. And so um, I thought, well, I really don't know how to give speeches, so there's that. And um, so, okay, you know what? That's exactly right. I'll accept the nomination. And I will, I'll give a speech and then, you know, no one's going to vote for me. I won't get nominated and then this will all be done. And so the next, so that night I stayed up, I'm like, well, what should I say? And here's a student organization and I'm, you know, looking up stuff about them and reading through the brochures and I put together a few key points and I go up there and there were three other people that were nominated. And so we all gave our speeches about what we would do if we were nominated for the international student president position. And um, so we gave our speeches and then everyone went and they did the the vote on a little tally thing and you go and turn it in. And I voted for someone that I thought was going to be really good right? because <laughs> it was not me. And uh, I didn't vote for yourself. That no. cracks me up. And so um, I got elected. <laughs> and I could not believe it. So um, anyway, and God grew me in that position. I just I learned so much about leadership. I, you know, because as soon as I got elected leader, I'm like, well, now I'm a leader. I better read a book and figure out how to do this. <laughs> And so I academic mind took over. Uh So I started reading books on what a leader does and how to be a good leader and um, 
how to keep in contact with people and, and, and motivate people. And I talked with a few uh, professors at school who I was hoping would kind of become mentors of mine. And, you know, I was like, what do I do now? And they walked me through it. And uh, I, I stayed with that organization for three years until I finished up with the food and beverage portion and, and went across to another field. And it was it was amazing. I anyway, I you know, I got to be international student president for all three years. And then I stepped down from that position and let someone else do it. And it was a huge learning experience for me. You um, stepped into something that you were fearful of. Oh, yes. Big time. Yeah. As an 18, 19 year old young woman. Um, and God blessed that. And Kathy, you know, you are a phenomenal leader. Mm. You are, you have been in your professional life. You were a phenomenal leader, leading, leading a team of people. Um, and so God grew you. Imagine if you had not called your mom, mm-hmm. not sought that wisdom from your mom who's constantly in prayer for you and your brothers and sisters, and not accepted that, I, even the speech, right, mm-hmm. that, that you had turned down the nomination. Imagine how your life would have taken a different turn. God mm-hmm. would have had to have gotten a hold of you in, an, in a different way, yeah. right? And, um, you know, I think, you, you know, not that you were walking with the Lord wholly and fully at the time, but that's a nugget that you can look mm-hmm. back on and go, wow, God, you really had a hand in that. Man, I just, I leapt in, two feet, here I go, and you blessed it. And so that, that is really, really amazing. Now, Miss Evelyn, I know you've told this story to us so many times about how, you know, Van had an opportunity to, um, to come to Austin to work, and you were so resistant to that opportunity. But I think part of it was fear, right, Miss Evelyn? Like you were afraid of kind of leaving what you knew and going somewhere different to, to, to build a, a whole new life. Well, it was, yeah, it was such a shock that it all happened so in a clump. Mm-hmm. We, I'd had a really bad year. Van's mother died. Van's father died. My brother was abducted uh, and a dozen other things. Mm-hmm. We lived in Lufkin, Texas on a ranch. Mm-hmm. My mom and dad lived up the highway. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a highway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um, Van was had a wonderful job. He just he traveled mm-hmm. uh, four days a week, and uh, we were. I was set to live life comfortably and effectively. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, Van had an opportunity to come to Austin. And when he told me that, I said, "Oh, you don't do that, you know that." He said, "Well, I don't know. Uh, let's wait it out." So he waited out and he decided that he would live in Austin and make what he was going to do broad and be no problem at all. Well, it lasted, uh, that part of it was settled. But it was not settled in my heart because my mom and dad lived close to us and we took care of them to a certain extent. And I just thought God was getting to be mean. Mm-hmm. I just have to tell the truth. <laughs> right, right. That's you know, how you felt it, at the time. You were afraid. I, so one afternoon, my daddy had a gazebo, and we sat out and drank coffee late in the afternoon when the school bus was running. Uh, and um, I, I talked to him, about it and I cried, and he said, what is the matter with you? And I said, well, I'm just scared to death. Ben's wanting to move to Austin. Mm-hmm. And he told me, he said, uh, well, What's wrong with that? And I said, What's wrong with that? You know, we have to move. It is, he said, um, Just sit by and wait to see what happens. And that, to me, that's the hardest thing. I want to sit, fix it down and get on with it. Right. Uh, but he he wanted to come, wanted to move to Austin, and then he didn't want to. But it was one of the greatest things that we've ever done because our son Danny is um, uh, has some learning inabilities uh, at that time. And um, David was just at that 14-year thing, which is horrible. (laughs) (laughs) 
Not the best year, right? right? It took his long. You know, we could do two and a half hours. But I had such a fear of what the effect that was going to have, not necessarily on my life, but our family. Yeah. But God brought you through that, Miss Evelyn, and because you trusted not only your husband, Mm -hmm. right, because of that strong relationship, you were in prayer. Um, and so you followed and you came to Austin and you've done such amazing things here for so many decades. You stepped into the plan God had for you mm-hmm. to come here and have an impact on people's lives here. You know, we see this so many times in the Bible. You know, God's perfect love calls us, calls us to not be anxious. And to not worry. There's so many examples of this. You know, why do we self-sabotage, right? You know, Kathy, you were kind of, you were saying in your story, like, I, I don't know how to be a leader. I don't know how to do this, right? We talk to ourselves in such a negative manner. We put labels on ourselves like, you're untalented. You're unworthy. You're a loser. You're a fake. People are going to, people are going to know that you're a fake. You know, my first head coaching job, college head, head coaching job, I was 24 years old. Mm. I did not know what I did not know. And at the time, I didn't I I was nervous. I was a little afraid, but I, I mean, I knew at the time that the Lord had something in store for me. And um it was I didn't know what I didn't know, but I remember times of saying people are going to People are going to know that you're a fake. People are going to know that you're just faking it till you make it, right? Um, put on a brave face and try to learn as much as I possibly could, like Kathy said, um, as I transitioned into that role. You know, there's so many labels that we adopt for ourselves, and these negative labels were certainly not given to us by the King of Kings, right, Kathy? There seems to be a conflict between what we tell ourselves and what we were meant to be as children of the king. So we look at Moses. We look at this a story of Moses and how he was afraid. Kathy, did he feel equipped when the Lord told him to go to Pharaoh? And, oh, by the way, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. <laughs> yeah, you know, just this small little thing small little that task. I'm asking you to do. Yeah. It's like, I'm like... Uh, you know, this is the thing that I love about this story is that when God gives us these stories of um, these, basically these bibliographies mm-hmm. uh, about all of these children of his that he has asked to do more than they could imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been afraid. And then God has taken them through that. And and we can learn so much from from this story about Moses and what God asked him to do. And friends, you can find these accounts in Exodus. That's the second book of your Bible in chapters three and four. And I'm going to look at specific accounts, chapters three, verses 10 through 21 and chapter four, verses one through um, 13. And so Moses put up a lot of objections. One, I cannot go and do this by myself. I can't even talk. I, I, I don't have the ability of, of speech. You know, I, I'm not the leader here. And what God said is this, I will be with you. Mm-hmm. And I think that so many times the enemy does this in order to get us into a position of fear. He tries to convince us. You are all alone. Mm -hmm. No one thinks the way you think. Uh, You cannot do this. You're on your own by yourself. You don't have what you need to do this. Um, You're standing on your own two feet, and those are the only two feet that's anywhere around you. And I think that's why God gave us this name, Emmanuel, God with us, Mm -hmm. is that the enemy tries to convince us we're all alone. And God says, no, Mm -hmm. not for a second, not for a millisecond. Are you alone? I am with you. And uh, so we get to see this account in, in, um, in Exodus. And these are the words that, that God actually, uh, Moses mm-hmm. speaks to God and then God responds to him. God will always respond to us, friends. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God responds saying, 
I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that, that it is I who have sent you, that when you have brought the people out of Egypt, when you have done what I've told you to do, you will worship God on this mountain. Mm-hmm. And so I love this because on the other side of success, we need to continue praising God. On the other side of success, we need to continue glorifying God. I think so many times on the other side of success, we look back and go, well, look what we just did. Look at what I just achieved. And we forgot that not only was it God who gave us favor in the first place, what not only was it God who enabled us that success, um, it, it's an opportunity we would not have had without him and an achievement we would not have had without him. And we need to continue to give him glory, not only through it, but on the other side of it. Well, and anyone plus God is a potent and irresistible force. And, I, you know, I believe that wholeheartedly. Me plus God is potent and I, that when we take God out of the equation, that's when we start to fail. Mm-hmm. That's when we start to doubt ourselves. You know, the Bible reveals that many great figures of the Bible struggled with these feelings of inadequacy. Miss Evelyn, when we think about the woman at the well, we see this account in the New Testament, uh, specifically the book of John. We see this a story of great success for God's kingdom, for Christ's kingdom. As Jesus was here walking on the earth, he approaches this Samaritan woman and changes her life in a mighty way. This woman at the well could not believe what was happening. But Miss Evelyn, why was she feeling so inadequate when Jesus approached her? Well, when when you don't have a base that will hold you up that you can put your hands on uh, fear takes over your life to the extent that you can't make a decision you, mm. you see things wrong sometimes you see them right sometimes mm. and this woman had five husbands can you imagine what her view was mm-hmm. five husbands mm-hmm. uh, they didn't talk with women when they did not know uh, them it was isolation. Men, men, men didn't talk with women yeah. in that society when they didn't know them. So for Jesus to walk up to her yes. was a big deal. It was. And she she was disturbed by it, I'm sure, um, because people in a small town, people talk about you. Mm-hmm. And she was a known uh, homewrecker. She got her husband uh, elsewhere or mm-hmm. whatever it was she needed. But I think the major thing was her spiritual uh, situation. Uh, She was a Samaritan and unclean, and she knew that. Yeah, I mean, the Samaritans were kind of like this lower class, you know. They kind of almost abandoned the faith. And, um, you know, I love that this encounter with Jesus and the Samaritan woman, it's not a random meeting. It It was planned by God, and it really depicts Jesus' mercy and love for us. And, friends, you can go straight to uh, the book of John in the gospel. It's the fourth book over in your New Testament. Go to chapter 4, and you're going to find this incredible story. And, you know, we have this Easter challenge right now to share the gospel of Christ with someone before Easter. We have two more weeks left. And, you know, there are people that say, you know, Jesus never claimed to be God. Take them to this story. Jesus actually reveals that he is God, firstly, to a woman before he reveals it to anyone else. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's it's just incredible. I mean, he reveals that he is the Messiah. Go and read through this book, and you're going to see how this woman who was gripped by fear, who was ostracized, who was felt as though she truly was standing alone at this well. No one else would even go near her. She was a pariah of sorts. Well, and she went at a time of day when none of the other women in the town would be there. She was single. Right. You know, she went so that she didn't have to encounter other women. And do we do that? I I mean, do we? Do we really do it? Do we put ourselves in a position? Do we just sometimes go, no? 
not going to do that. I don't feel like being around people today or whatever. You know, Eric and I, we were so convicted about this because he has, Eric has this really good friend, Paul. And Paul's ministry field is um, airports and airline flights. Oh, And every time, because he travels a lot for his uh, job Mm -hmm. with, uh, Dell, and so whenever he's going on a, a plane, that's his opportunity to share the gospel. He has a Bible for himself, a Bible to give away, and he he prays before he goes on. You know, Lord, sit me next to a person who is seeking after you. And he has these. I mean, it just makes me tear up. He has these incredible stories of sitting next to to Muslims and opening the the Bible and sharing the Bible with them, and and you know, just getting that little in and asking them how they're doing. And Eric and I go, oh my gosh, you know, when we go on a flight, we try and get a seat, sit right together. And you know, it's even better if I can sit at the window, he can sit at the aisle, and we have an empty seat between us. And we're like, okay, Jesus, help us with this because it it is, you know, it is a heart that just wants comfort and convenience mm-hmm. and ease, and yet we can see that we are completely missing an opportunity that Christ might have for us. Well, and the other thing I love about this account of the woman at the well is that um, in John 4, actually verse 6, it says that Jesus was tired. Mm -hmm. He was tired from the journey. And so he sat down by the well. You know, when you think about the society at the time, first of all, Men were dominant in the society. And, you know, for Jesus to show this, I'm not going to say it was weakness, but it was just um, a purity of heart, right? Like, I am tired. I am tired, and I'm going to sit down right here. He sat down. Men didn't just sit down and lounge around other women. He sat down at this well beside this woman. And it's a perfect picture, Kathy, Evelyn, of what... Jesus does in our own lives. He says, I know you're afraid. I get it. But let me come and sit down right here with you. You know, I think about him cozying up right next to me on the couch, right? Like, it's just a friend that wants to be with you and walk with you through your journey. He sits down beside us. And I I just love that picture. And this Samaritan woman was changed forever in that instance with Jesus. One encounter with Jesus, and she was changed forever. She ran back to her town. No longer did she want to be away from the people in her town and not see and not see them. But Sherry's she's getting so excited. excited. Her hands are flying Knocking around over the all the things in the studio. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I, that is what I do. I, I do things big, folks. Um, and so, you know, she runs back to the town wanting to be around people now and tell them about the saving love of Jesus because she's no longer afraid of her past. She's no longer afraid of her reputation. She sees her full identity and success now built around her identity in Jesus, not in what she has, who she has, who her husband is, or what her past reputation is. You know, I think when we look at, sometimes we need to not ask the question, what has built up our identity? We need to ask the question, who has built up our identity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, friends, I will tell you, your identity in Christ is unshakable. Mm-hmm. If you have an identity that is grounded in his word, it is it is grounded firmly within a rock and um, a word that is unchanging, a love that is unfailing and a future that is um, unsurpassing anything that you can can possibly imagine. And, you know, I love there's also this um, story of Elisha, and it's just a big, bold story that God gives us in 2 Kings chapter 6. And uh, I know that we're going to have to go to break here in just about a minute, so I'm just going to highlight it for you because we're going to get into it. Um, Elisha is with his servant Elijah, and I think that's kind of a, is it, do I have that right, Carrie? Yes, okay, mm-hmm. and um, and they are uh, surrounded by the Syrians, the enemy. They think they're going to be completely wiped out, 
yet um, Elisha is not worried at all. He's he's fine. And his servant is like, how can you not be freaking out? We are about to be completely destroyed here. And uh, Elisha prayed that his servant's eyes would be opened to see the chariots of fire that completely surrounded and protected them. And so, friends, what's the end of the story? What happens after Elijah's eyes get opened? What happens after our eyes get open to just the fierce protection of our God? We're going to discuss that in our last segment. Uh, we're going to hear from our amazing sponsors who keep Love Talk on the air and have kept Love Talk on the air for the last 35 years. You're going to want to stay with us as we wrap up. Uh, this this program on God's perfect love that casts out fear. We'll be right back with you right after this. Hello, friends, and welcome back to today's Christian Talk. You found the love ladies here on Love Talk, KTXW, The Bridge, Austin. Great to have you as we continue to talk about God's perfect love casts out fear. You know, this story that Kathy just recounted um, about Elisha, and he's telling his servant, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I know it looks like that we're surrounded by the enemy, but you know what? Don't be afraid. And um, <laughs> this this is just a wonderful account in Second Kings of how God is so creative. He's so creative, friends. He's so creative, and he can do just amazing things in our lives. In verse 18 of Second Kings chapter 6, it says this, As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. And Elisha told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. And so God is so creative. They were able to lead the Syrians to the king of Israel and negotiate peace when it looked like they were about to get slaughtered. And God said, eh, fear not. I'm going to be super creative here. What? Why Why on earth do we not believe our God can do miracles in our lives and he can allow us to not be afraid about these, you know, pretty insignificant things sometimes? Um, you know, it, it's just absolutely amazing. Miss, Miss uh, Evelyn, you absolutely love Mary and you love... Um, you know, the story of Jesus and how, you know, his resurrection and uh, he, he dies on the cross to save us of our sins. He's put in a tomb and three days later, he's not there, right? He's <laughs> he, not he's like, there. Oh, like he coited. <laughs> yeah. You know, and what does the angel tell the women that come to the tomb um, right as they discover that Jesus is not there? Well, immediately they categorized it. It was fear. Mm-hmm. Fear on, on anything takes energy to operate in a world like we have today, and that was much like uh, it happened at that time. Well, and I love that the, that the angel just tells them straight out, fear not. Fear not. I mean, fear he not. can see that they're in fear. They're wondering where Jesus is. And the angel says, fear not. You know, I love, friends, if you want to go to uh, Bible Gateway and just type in the words, do a search for fear not. And I think you'll you'll probably find the most if you look at, if you use the um, King James Version, because that would be something that you would would say is fear not in that that language. But look up the words. You can probably find it as well as NIV. And look at all the places in God's word where it says fear not or do not fear. Fear. And we can see this in story, you know, over and over again. There's another one in uh, Luke chapter 8, verses 43 through 48, um, where Jesus tells Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, uh, to fear not because uh, Jairus' uh, daughter is deathly ill. And Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house to go and heal his daughter. Um, but Jesus gets uh, kind of waylaid along the journey uh, and helps another woman with a blood issue, heals her, and uh, and then Jairus's, uh servant gets word, you know what, tell Jesus, don't even worry about it. My daughter's dead. He's taken too long. 
it, he's he's too late. He can't do anything now. And this is what I want to say, friends. Do you think, no, Jesus has taken too long. It's too late. He cannot do anything now. Go to the story in Luke chapter 8, 43 through 48, and you're going to see that Jesus says it's never too late. It's not too late. And Jesus heals that little girl, brings her back from death, and returns her to her father. Carrie, I just I love all of these stories that we have over and over again. If you are afraid of success, you think that God would not do this for me or I'm not good enough to step out. You know, if God made you, if God made you, which he did, we know that uh, from the what is it? Proverbs is at 139 that he knit you together in your mother's womb. If God made you, then he made you good enough to do his will. And his will is amazing, friends. It is far more than you could ever ask for or imagine. You are up for the task because it is never you alone. It is always you and God with you that are up for the task. You know, I've thought about this a lot because it is easy to to hide behind a bridge of fear. Mm -hmm. And it seems like we are really in it in Austin in Texas, in our nation, we are afraid of everything now. I just one day this week, I was just thinking about it, and I thought, Lord, what is the motive of the enemy of Easter to bring into our lives the things where we we have to cover our mouth to go out, mm-hmm. or we have to do this to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's something we really need to visit and and refer if we can if we feel that horrible feeling of taking you know the wrong step or something because that will wipe away the things that Jesus is living for you and make available to you and people don't understand that they just say well God didn't do that God didn't do he wouldn't do that he will do that Mm. he will do that he will care for our every need that's so timely, Miss Evelyn, because right now, I I do believe that as Christians, we are sometimes afraid to open our mouths mm-hmm. because of this cancel culture that is going on. And I've been listening to several podcasts lately, and I was listening to this young man who was a freshman in college up in the Northeast, and uh, he just wanted to start an organization to read some works by Winston Churchill, and he was... He he had death threats on yeah. his life as a freshman in college simply because he wanted to start an organization to read some things that were not being offered at the school. They were just going to read. They were just going to, like, basically have a book club and, you know, mm-hmm. discuss some topics that, you know, and, and debate some topics. And, and I thought, okay, Carrie, in your little world, what are you doing that's bold? What are you doing yes. that – that may step over the line and you may be canceled for something, but are you doing it for Jesus? Are you doing it because your morals, ethics, and values tell you that something is right and true and good and pure and it's and it's 100% from our Savior Jesus Christ? Are you doing it for that reason? If you are, then do it. Open your mouth. Mm-hmm. Do not hide behind a bridge of fear like you yes. just said, Miss Evelyn, because when we hide behind that bridge of fear, then our life doesn't move forward and we don't further the kingdom of Christ. We don't have the power. Exactly. And, and you know, this fear of success, what if we do open our mouth and it's great and wonderful and beautiful and it honors Christ in a way that brings people to him? Isn't that the only success that we should want? Mm. You know, it can cause us and to... And pass that on to yes. our family. You know, yes. there are so many families that are just twisted together these mm-hmm. days. And it's over the wrong decisions of what we will do about any given opportunity to to Mm -hmm. follow the Lord Jesus or to uh, stop the things that, uh, well, political. Well, and I think that, you know, the more I think about this topic, I, I think about the word vulnerability and how any time in my life I've been, if I've been afraid of something and I really you know, look at it while I'm in the moment and I go, I am so scared of X. I am so nervous or 
angsty or anxious about Y and Z, right? When I say that out loud to a person I trust, right, my mom, my husband. Did you say that to me? Miss Evelyn. <laughs> yes, I have said that to Miss Evelyn. I'm so, I don't know if I can do this. Yes. You know, when we bring that out to, to the light, that's when our fears become weaker, mm-hmm. right? They, when you bring it out into the light and you show that vulnerability to someone that you trust, that you know can uplift you um, with a word from Jesus, mm-hmm. right? When we show that vulnerability, because I, I never want to admit, you know, when I'm a little nervous about something. I never really want <laughs> Were to you admit that way that. the day we ask you to join our team? Yes, Miss Evelyn. I didn't <laughs> want to show you all the nervous guts I had, you know, running through me. Of course. But when you can admit that fear, it's a way to confront it and mm-hmm. stop those negative thoughts and and move forward with that next step for Jesus. Just realizing that you're not on that journey alone is so freeing, and it allows us to move forward with what God has in store for our lives. And, you know, friends, oh, I... I wish we had so much more time to talk about this topic of um, being gripped by fear and just uh, being afraid of that next step of success and how God just casts that out. But Kathy, we got to wrap it up today. We do. I I just love this, Carrie. Thank you so much. Friends, I will tell you, uh, if you are, if you're saying, hey, you have just described me, I feel like I am in this all alone. I spend most of my days in fear. This is what I want you to do. I want I want you to go through the ABCs of saying yes to Christ, and then I want you to get straight into his word. You can start off in uh, the Gospel of John that you'll find in the New Testament, and we will send you a Bible if you don't have one by calling 512-249-6535. Uh, friends, you can get a hold of us as well. Uh, you can go check out our archives at lovetalknetwork.com. There's a, a link to email us there as well. Friends saying yes to Christ, it's as easy as ABC. You admit that you're a sinner and that you need Jesus Christ to be your Savior. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died on the cross and rose again on the third day to give you that free gift of salvation. And see, you confess your faith in Jesus Christ to God and to others. Um I'm just so excited about Easter coming up. It's going to be a great and beautiful Easter, maybe a first Easter for you. Maybe you want to tell someone about what Christ has done in your life and invite them to church with you this Sunday to come and meet him for yourself. Friends, it's been a wonderful love talk this Saturday. We're going to look forward to being with you next Saturday. This is Kathy Endebrock. I'm joined by Coach Carrie Brinkader, the First Lady of Love, Mrs. Evelyn Davison. We will see you next week.